This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr. And this week, joining us on the podcast is Sean Ryan, the director of the Door County Triathlon and a host of other Door County events and events throughout Northeastern Wisconsin. And we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming Door County Triathlon, which is back this year after a one-year hiatus due to COVID like everything else. Sean, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Miles. It's great to be here. Sean, I've worked with you a lot on these events and, and a lot of other events over the years, and, and I've picked your brain a lot about organizing other events that I've worked on. Just tell me how weird this last year has been for you. I mean, you, you do events full-time, so to not have these events, which is just kind of what you live for and what you live to do, what has it been like just being shut down? Yeah, I mean, emotionally, financially, spiritually, whatever category you look at, it's been a devastating year for event directors. I mean, some people's careers were modified. Some people had to shift from working from home. But if you're a person whose unofficial title is director of mass gatherings, well, <laughs> there, wasn't, there wasn't a lot of demand for your services during yeah. the COVID year. So it was really hard. And I have a lot of friends and colleagues who have switched careers and some of them permanently. I mean, they've, they've moved on to something else. For others, I was one of the fortunate ones. I was able to find a use for my skill set elsewhere. I worked in the healthcare field, setting up vaccination clinics for Bell and Health. And, you know, I couldn't accommodate thousands of people crossing finish lines, but I at least helped get a lot of people vaccinated. So that was rewarding and it provided some income in a year when there wasn't a lot else to do. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that since you went to that right away. And I wanted to touch on that anyway, but like, what was your role in working on those vaccination clinics? And what was that like? And when you first told me that you were doing this, I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Like the skills that you have in event organizing, I would think translate really well into trying to do some sort of mass vaccination clinics. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of happened like a lot of other things just by chance, but I have friends at Bellin. Um, one of my best friends is Randy Van Stratton, who's a vice president at Bellin. And when I was lamenting to him in the fall about the last of my 2020 events being canceled, and I realized I had nothing on the calendar until at best mid-2021, I said to him, I don't know what I'm going to be doing the next six to nine months. And he said to me, well, we are looking for people to help with COVID testing. And obviously it's not something a lot of people were anxious to do is to jump into a COVID testing <laughs> facility. But, you know, I'm young, I'm healthy. I, You're not that young, Sean. I don't want to, <laughs> well, I'm not that young, but I'm below the mortality threshold where COVID really is a major concern. So I said, well, I'm more than willing to do that. And it paid well. And within the first week, I was helping relocate the testing facility, set it up in a drive through at a Sears. And I guess I got noticed by some of the people higher up that my understanding of large scale logistics was something that they don't really have. Clinic managers in a medical facility, they don't normally design clinics to move thousands of people a day. It's a steady trickle through any clinic. And so within a few weeks, I got called into a conference call 
And much to my surprise, the moderator said, well, we'd like to introduce our new director of mass vaccination, Sean Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) And I I was caught off guard, but it was very flattering. Mostly what I did was the operational logistical planning. I mean, I did work at the clinics. I helped out. But a lot of what I did was the design elements, figuring out how to convert a gymnasium in Oconto into a clinic, how to convert an upstairs lobby in Marinette into a vaccination clinic, and how to convert the Lambeau Field Atrium, which ended up being the largest of all, into a massive vaccination clinic that could potentially vaccinate and did vaccinate thousands a day. You know, a lot of people might look at those problems and setting that kind of thing up and go, oh, that seems daunting. That sounds like a terrible thing that I'd want to spend my time doing. Our listeners should know that this is pretty much Sean's dream is to (laughs) organize (laughs) logistics and and come up with plans and redesign plans and try to optimize and and make them as efficient as possible. So this was 100% in your wheelhouse, just from my experience working with you in setting up everything from aid stations to figuring out courses and just figuring out even like the concourse, the stuff that a lot of people think of as an afterthought in terms of a race or an event direction is the stuff that you love getting into the weeds on. Yeah, thanks, Miles. And it it was, I mean, it was exciting for me because I'd been sitting idle for months and now finally I, I was getting to lead something. I felt like I was playing, making an important difference in the overall effort to fight COVID. And, you know, a lot of people would be bored or annoyed with something like having to lay out a floor plan for where you're putting the tables, the check-in, the vaccination suites and all that. For me, it was tremendously exciting. And I mean, I got to see two days after I finished the Lambeau Field development, the governor of the state come in and a press conference with all the senior leadership from the hospital and the Packers speaking to the positive impact that it could make on the community. And so it was hugely flattering to be trusted with that role by all of the leadership at Bellin. And so, you know, it was not just a matter of making up for lost income and finding something to do in my off time, but getting to really make a difference and be part of the effort against COVID. I'd imagine that was especially meaningful for you. And I assist in putting on events. I would say you really put on events. And even in my role, it's just hard to go when, when you've been doing that for 10, 12, 13 years to just lose that, that, that energy that you get out of that. You don't put these things on unless you kind of thrive on that energy of those big event weekends and bringing people together and seeing them have fun or accomplish something that they never thought they could accomplish. And yeah. It's what makes and your, it all worth it. your mindset it. changes. Yeah. The mindset of an event director is, I mean, you thrive off of the smiling faces and the throngs of people. I mean, huge crowds is what you long for because every one of those people, you're making a difference in someone's lives. Even when we opened the COVID clinic, the first day we did 500 vaccinations. And for the clinic managers, that's a large number. I mean, they're not used to treating 500 people in a day with any procedures. And so 500 people coming through, they were very excited. And and they turned to me and and they said, Sean, what do you think? And I said, well, this was a disaster. (laughs) they, They said, what do you mean it was a disaster? I said, well, I said, I wanted to see at least a thousand people the first day, and I'd like to get to 3,000 a day within a week. I said, I'm not going to feel happy until we're totally overwhelmed here. I said, it looks like a, a ride at Disney World on a rainy day. There was no line all day. And the clinic manager, who's used to a nice, steady, even, calm trickle, said, what, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Why do you want it to be like that? I said, well, this is how I look at the world. I want there to be huge throngs of people. That to me is the litmus test for whether we're successful. How many people can we push through in a day? And there's such an excitement about making it work, you know, like 
getting more mm-hmm. people and then making it still a seamless experience for people in a race or in a vaccination clinic. There's uh, a sense of accomplishment that comes with that and seeing it all come to fruition and work. Yep. And I promise the listeners, we will not spend the whole time talking about COVID. And I promise you, we'll talk about the try. It's yeah. been really nice to not talk about COVID as much over the last uh, couple of months. But I did want to touch on something because I think you could speak to this a little bit. And, you know, whatever side people were on the opening and closing and the lockdowns and things, I think one thing that got lost for some people who just said, well, we, we just have to lock down. And I don't understand why people are, are hemming and hawing about this. And I, I think what some people didn't understand is, for some of us, like there was no, there was no way to get that money back. There weren't grant programs for everything. There wasn't reimbursement for everything. Plus some people just want to work. And so to have that taken away, it, it was a difficult thing to deal with. I know it was for me, even if I hundred percent agreed with it, it's still just hard to say, okay, you should just stop doing what you're doing. Even like this is a, your lifeblood, where you get your energy from and it's where you get your income from. So I don't know, maybe you could speak to that a little bit because I know it had to be really difficult for you in those first couple of months. I mean, it was hard emotionally to just willingly shelve everything I do, knowing that it's for the greater good, uh, knowing that we couldn't have large gatherings, even up until fall when we thought, okay, with the end of summer, we thought by fall, this is going to diminish. And in fact, it got even worse. It was really hard to except at some point that all of these events were going to be gone. It was going to be a year of essentially no events and just find something else to do for that year and willingly accept that without getting caught up in the politics. Yeah. That And it was, it was an election year and everything got so politicized. And I still feel, you know, I don't like extreme partisanship. I get annoyed with the blogs. I get annoyed with people feeling that, well, I identify with this political party, so I have to take that viewpoint, and mm-hmm. I, or I identify with the other party, and so I have to take that point. To me, both of those extremes are annoying. So it, it was frustrating to me to be sitting there idle, and for everyone else, it was a matter of political debate. And for me, it was a matter of not having a career and income. Yeah, it's difficult. It, it leads to a lot of really tough probing questions when you're wondering if this is ever going to come back. And, and there, there are days there where it's like, wow, are people ever going to do this again? And turns out people are doing most of the things they always did. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things are yeah, just going to come we back. We spent most of the spring as things started to loosen up. Um, I mean, we had some early plans with at least 32 different modifications we were going to make this year on the tail end of COVID as we planned this year's triathlon because no one knew what events were going to look like by mm-hmm. summertime or by fall. And there's, it's still an evolving situation and there's still some uncertainty about, you know, do we need to offer this service? Do we need to offer that service? Should we modify? Should we, or shouldn't we allow spectators? I mean, at one point we were going to mandate that everybody had to wear masks into the park because in March, that was the norm. Same here with our bike ride at Beer Fest. We thought, okay, like, what are we going to do with masks? What are we going to do with sanitizer stations? And how are we going to space people out? And then it changed pretty rapidly. It did. And that was the funny thing was, I mean, as recently as late April, I was still working for Bellin and helping out at the vaccination clinics. And everything that we were hearing was don't expect things to change overnight. It's going to be very gradual. Things are not going to return to normal very quickly. <laughs> Things are going to be, you know, at partial capacity. There's going to be lots of modifications. It's going to be a very gradual return to normalcy. It's not going to be like someone flipping a switch. Well, it turned out 
it was almost exactly like someone flipping yes. a switch. I mean, overnight, all of a sudden, I'm completely overwhelmed with planning for all of these events this summer and fall. I mean, I have every I have an event every weekend in October because things have moved. Boston Marathon is now in October. <laughs> the fall is going to be exhausting. <laughs> it is. So I'm I'm now you know trying to get my legs under me, and it's funny I find myself and the staff. I mean, not only are we trying to deal with some of the modifications we are still making. But also we're trying to recall because it's been two years. How did we have the food tent yeah. set up? How did we how did we lay out this or that? Because you know two years is a long time for an event to just disappear and expect everybody to remember exactly how the procedures and the floor plans worked. Yeah, I found myself up the day before we were putting on the beer fest and the bike ride, revisiting plans and trying to like just get my head back into that space of and, yep. and get the adrenaline flowing. Cause you really need that adrenaline to pull it off and to, to gear yourself up, especially after just like a little bit of the after effect of being shut down and not social for so long to have to be hyper social at an event and just bring the energy and be thinking ahead all the time to manage a crowd like that. And it's uh it's tough to get back into it, but once you got rolling, it was just, it was great to, to be welcoming people. And I'm sure you're going to have that again at the try this year. And so you're back. For those who don't know, the Door County Triathlon takes place every July, except last year, at Murphy Park in Egg Harbor. Could you give, just for like the novice listener here who doesn't know a lot about triathlons, explain what the the three events are and when they take place? Sure. You know, triathlon is a relatively new sport. It started in the 1980s. Uh, It really combines the three silent sports of swimming, biking, and running. And it's a matter of doing all three of those in sequence. Uh, which is challenging because it can be pretty exhausting going out for a run or a swim or a bike, but to do all three at once is tough. They do them in that order of swim, bike, run, because I like to say it's declining order of danger. Swimming's <laughs> obviously the most dangerous. I always joke if it was run, bike, swim, everyone would drown at the end of the race, and that would be a real downer for everybody. day. Yeah, so uh, it starts out with a swim, and there are standardized distances in triathlon, and sometimes it's just broad terms. So there's sprint triathlons, which are shorter distance. There's Olympic distance, which are medium. And then there's longer course distances like half Ironman and full Ironman distance triathlons. The Door County Triathlon offers a sprint and a kids triathlon on Saturday and a half Ironman on Sunday. The sprint triathlon on Saturday morning for us is a quarter mile swim. It's an 18 mile bike ride. And the reason it's 18 miles is because it just works out perfectly that we're a nine-mile route down from Murphy Park to George Pinney Park, the old stone quarry and boat launch, and they turn around there and come back, and then it's followed by a 5K, which is 3.1-mile run. And so it usually takes somewhere in the neighborhood of two hours for the average person to finish that race. So it starts at 8 in the morning on Saturday, and we're usually wrapping up by 11.30, 12 at the latest. So everybody gets done sometime between 10.30 and, and noon that day. The kids' triathlon takes place on Saturday afternoon. That's geared for kids ages 6 to 14, and that's various distances by age. I mean, the 6-year-olds only have to swim about 20 yards around the dock <laughs> down in the boat launch. And then it's a short quarter-mile bike ride just outside of Murphy Park and back. And then uh, they basically run from the boat launch out to the road that leads into Murphy Park on the north end, and that's our finish. Uh, and they get to cross the same finish line as the adults. And there's an ice cream social after for the kids. The older kids go as far as a five-mile bike ride down to Monument Point and back. 
and as long as a one-mile run, which is just to the north end of the field across from Murphy Park, and then back on the same road and into the park. So that's a nice event for kids ages 6 to 14. We'll get about 300 kids in that. And then on Sunday, we have the half iron distance. And an iron, a full Ironman is 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike ride, and a marathon. So uh, those are distances based on the origins of the sport in Hawaii back in the 1980s. A half Ironman, exactly half of that, we have a 1.2-mile swim. We have a 56-mile bike ride and then a 13.1-mile half marathon run. And the winners in that event will take over four hours. So it's a long, slow day. Yeah. I mean, once once the swim is done, from about 10 till noon at Murphy Park, it's pretty quiet because there's yeah. nobody coming in to win this race probably until about 1230 or later. And for comparison's sake, when we put on the Door County Half Marathon, the winners finish in a little over an hour. So just, and you think of like those 13 miles and, and being out and just for people who haven't done a half marathon or a marathon, you know, running for an hour seems pretty daunting. And for these folks to be out there for four hours and that's the fastest people. And obviously this race isn't, there's very few elite athletes in the grand scheme of things. Most people yeah. are a little more on the weekend warrior, you know, dedicated athletes, but more on the average type, you know, and they're finishing in five, six, seven, eight, nine hours. It's pretty awesome to see these people achieve this and accomplish that goal. Cause it is a year in the making for most of these people. Yeah, I mean, most of them are not out to win an award or a medal or finish in the top overall or even to finish in their age group. For them, a lot of times it's just the self-satisfaction of having a goal and going through the fitness and training that's required to cross that finish line. And so for them, they could care less what the ranking is. They just want to get to the finish line. And, and that's a huge achievement. And you know, they're motivated by getting healthier. You know, some of them are using it. I mean, it becomes for some a weight loss, a weight mm -hmm. loss uh, exercise. And it, it, oh, it works. I'll tell you, it does work <laughs> having done it myself. It, you will lose weight. And then for a lot of them too, it's, you know, just emotional accomplishment. I mean, they're yeah. fighting back from addiction or divorce or whatever other obstacles life has thrown at them. And so this is a huge accomplishment. So Lots of smiles, lots of tears at the finish line. Whenever I've worked it, working the bike and run course or working the kids triathlon, I always do try and find a half hour, an hour where I can be somewhere around that finish line and see some of those people come down that big hill. And that's usually toward the end of my day. And that's usually the people who are finishing in about 10 hours. And uh, to think of them out there, especially when it's been really hot or when the water's been really choppy, to think of what they finish, it's pretty remarkable. And you can't help but stand there and just be moved and, and get chills and actually, I feel a little bit even talking about it. Yep. Yeah. Cause even if they have to walk, I mean, even if they have yep. to walk the last few miles, I mean, once some once of them are, are limping, I mean, they're barely getting through and we <laughs> offer to pick them up and take them home and they said, Nope, I'm, I'm going to finish this. And, and sometimes you're like, who, this one might be in, this might be a 13 hour finisher or something, but, yeah. um, but to see him stay with it, it's, it's an awesome thing to see. Yeah. It's a very inspiring sport in that way. And I, you know, I've, I've always told aspiring race directors that that's one of the rewards is, you know, seeing the difference you're making in people's lives. You're giving people a goal, something to aim for. Um, you're helping people inspire themselves and others. And that's great. You know, back to the kids triathlon a little bit. You added that, I think, four or five years ago. And yep. that's been one of my favorite things to be working on and helping to organize. And when I was able to do that and seeing these little kids go out in the water, even that little swim. And, you know, they are 
they are well taken care of with like <laughs> there's like there's a lifeguard per kid out there yeah we we keep it really safe yeah it's, it's <laughs> extremely safe but it is so cool to see these kids especially when they get to the third part it's a you know to an adult it's a short course but you think back to when you're a kid like how many times did you bike more than a couple of miles how many times did you ever run a mile you know or half a mile straight and so you know some of them come up there in their full race kits they're taking it extremely seriously in many cases and to see them get to like the full big finish that the adults get going down that big finish line and, and having all the fans there and some of these kids like they hit the run portion and, and they're really struggling i've been out there when kids were crying and they somehow gutted through it and so you even see this in like 10 year olds finding a way to finish the yep. race. And I think back to, you know, being a kid, like what that would have meant to me. So it's really cool to see the accomplishment that these guys get too. Yeah, it is. It used to be something that they organized in Sturgeon Bay at the Y, but we realized from a safety standpoint, the roads in and around Murphy Park were certainly quieter than downtown Sturgeon Bay. And we were able to piggyback on all the infrastructure we already have. So you mentioned the finish line, and that's a huge thing is that some of these kids got to watch mom or dad or both cross that same finish line in the sprint that very same morning or maybe the year before, and now they're getting to cross the same finish line. And to the kid, it doesn't matter that mom or dad did a longer race. All they know is they did a race too, and they get to mm -hmm. cross the same finish line, and they're very pumped uh, crossing that line. And we got Stefan Reynolds from FM 106.9 The Lodge calling them out. He does a great and job. That's fun. <laughs> he does a great job. We've got medals for the kids. We have an ice cream social after. So every kid gets a Sunday. We have hot dogs if they want them. Most kids have a hot dog and ice cream because why not? They earned it. Yeah. I ate a lot of that ice cream that weekend too. <laughs> <laughs> and we do give out awards too. We have awards for the fastest three boys and girls each age bracket. I mean, and a lot of the kids just like the adults could care less about winning an award. They just want to finish. But for those who are competitive, and some of them certainly are, we, we do have award medals for them. And, and if they aren't competitive, sometimes their parents are, unfortunately. <laughs> but we won't <laughs> go into that. That's true. <laughs> Very true. Mom and dad, sometimes mom and dad are pushing. You know, a comment about Stefan Reynolds a couple of years ago. There's usually when you're reading the names and some, you, people who are at these events might wonder, like, how, is, how are they calling out the names of all the finishers? Well, there's a computer system and the names will pop up and the runners are wearing chips. So once they cross a certain mat that you set up well in advance of the finish line, their name pops up on the scroll and then the announcer can read the name and, and where they're from and stuff like that. Well, for the kids triathlon, that little computer broke or the, the mat wasn't working and reading the chips. And so as kids were coming in, first, Stefan, instead of just giving up and saying, oh, I can't do it, running over and, and finding the kids at the finish line and getting their names and then announcing them. And then he started going down to like 100 yards out and trying to get the kids' names from their parents who were watching them and things just to try and still give those kids that shout out. Because as much as that matters to adults when they run that race, it really matters to the kids to hear their name called right there. You feel like you're the star of the show when that happens. So yep. it's just really cool to see that and, yeah, and to watch Stefan do yeah, that that Stephen, year was amazing. I don't know how he has the energy. I don't know how he has the energy or the voice to do this. <laughs> he and, is a trip. <laughs> and be a DJ on FM 106.9 The Lodge and a guide on the Door County Trolley. But he does all of the above. He's got a strong voice, and he's very charismatic with the kids. We love having him there. Yeah, he's great. There are some changes to the event this year. Bike course is 
significantly different, correct? Yeah, the biggest change that's going to be noticeable to the half iron triathlete is we've changed the bike course this year. And it wasn't something that we initially wanted to pursue. Uh, I think we're glad now that we have. But what happened is when we started working with our public safety committee back in April and May, it was apparent that they were going to be struggling to staff the course sections through Sturgeon Bay. Uh, the police department is just shorthanded on being able to cover that with all of the other commitments they have. And so we were asked, could we redesign the course and not go through the city? The other issue is a lot of the worst roads on the bike course, strangely enough, were the urban roads in Sturgeon Bay. It wasn't mm-hmm. the rural roads in Sevastopol and Carlsville and Egg Harbor. It was it was the urban roads in downtown Sturgeon Bay. And that won't come as a shock to any of the residents there. They no. <laughs> know that Memorial and Third, yeah, are pretty beat up. And so between the road conditions and the staffing limitations, we redesigned the half iron course to be a double loop course north of Sturgeon Bay. So the riders will come down Bayshore for 13 miles. They're on a straight shot down Bayshore. They'll turn up Delaware Street, which is a hill in Sturgeon Bay. And then it's back out into the countryside north of Sturgeon Bay. They wind around. They do an out and back turn on Townline Road um, north of Carlsville. And then finally, they drop down a hill called Monument Point. When they drop down that hill, which is probably at about mile 30, they have to do that whole loop again. So they do the whole loop down Bayshore all the way back up to Monument Point before finally making a right turn and heading back to Murphy Park. So it's a double loop course. So it's kind of like an upside down lollipop. (laughs) And they go around on the lollipop twice before coming back. That eliminated the need for any police staffing from Sturgeon Bay. We've got the fire department covering the two turns down on Delaware Street. And the unanticipated benefit of it too, though, is it also reduces the overall staffing needs from the sheriff's department and from the volunteers, which as I'm saying that, I'm sure you, Miles, and a lot of our listeners in Door County know this is probably the right year to do that because everybody's shorthanded. In Door County, Not only are businesses struggling for full staffing, but everybody's having trouble with volunteer groups. So the YMCA, which is responsible for securing all of our course volunteers, I mean, they're close to full now, but it was a real struggle for them to just get to 30, which is roughly half of what we normally would need. So I can only imagine how difficult a year it would have been if we had not made that change. Yeah, and it's hard every year. And then you add this year, and there's the impact of the fact that everyone's getting pulled into more shifts and more work, but also they've had a year of delayed family events and funerals and weddings and celebrations. So, I mean, I'd imagine most people are like me where every weekend seems full already <laughs> and, and you're turning stuff down. Yeah. Now, from the participant standpoint, I think we're going to get mixed reactions because, I mean, on the downside, there's going to be more climbing because when you turn off of Bayshore north into the northern parts of Sturgeon Bay, that's where the hills are. So there is going to be more climbing than there has been in the past because they got to go up through all those hills on Delaware and Sherry Road twice, not just once, but twice this year. So there's going to be more climbing. On the flip side, what we didn't anticipate is the road surfaces are better overall. I mean, not just better than what we faced in downtown Sturgeon Bay, but some of the other sections like east of Sturgeon Bay were pretty rough in past years, some loose gravel on the roads, things like that. The roads that we're on this year, by and large, are long, straight shots with, in some cases, brand new, fresh pavement. I mean, there's brand new pavement on Bluff Ledge Road, 
Hmm. So the riders, triathletes like to be in the arrow position. That's where they're leaning forward on the handlebars and what are called arrow bars. That's where their arms are tucked forward and it allows them to breathe. It also allows them to power down really hard on the pedals and go faster. They're going to be able to be in the arrow position a lot longer. And some of the team members are speculating we might see new bike records on our course this year mm. because it's going to be better in that regard. So there's trade-offs, uh, better road service, but more climbing. And if people think we're just being picky about road conditions, the Sturgeon Bay road situation in all the time I've been helping with the triathlon, it really, like I go out and mark the course and, and you really do get anxiety when you look at those potholes in some of those roads and, and how rough some of those are of like, you know, you try and spray them with as much chalk paint as you can so that cyclists see it and we don't blow tires or have someone go down or have a big pile up. So it really is, it's not just a matter of like, oh, it's a bumpy road. It's, some of those roads are dangerous for cycling, even for, for kids on their little huffies, you know? Yeah. And we've had people hit potholes and get launched over the handlebars and you know, those are the accidents I hate hearing about uh, every year. And hopefully, you know, this year with the new route we have, we won't hear that. So that's the first big change is the half iron bike course. Some of the other changes are, are more subtle. We've gone back to tattoos. For the last few years, we've been doing body marking where we would mark with non-toxic Sharpies. We had a crew whose job it was was to write the participant numbers on your biceps and on your legs. Well, that's a lot of touching and feeling and with COVID, we decided to get away from that. Mm. So we've gone back to tattoos. We're fortunate to have Door County Medical Center as our presenting sponsor, and they were nice enough to sponsor the tattoos. So we've got Door County Medical Center logoed tattoos for every athlete this year. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit about, and we don't have to get into the details of every intersection, but for those who aren't part of the triathlon and are just wondering about getting around, there are road closures around this event and not in the main areas of any of the villages like Egg Harbor, although the run course does take the runners through Egg Harbor, but there will be some closures. We're going to print the full list in the Peninsula Pulse the Friday of the event. So if you're looking for some of those details on where you should maybe try to avoid, you know, County G south of Murphy Park, County G from Murphy Park to the village of Egg Harbor is going to be local traffic only and, and somewhat restricted at different times. And it'll be a little slower going through the village of Egg Harbor as well. Is that a pretty good synopsis there, Sean, for you? <laughs> yeah, it is. And if you're a resident in those areas, I mean, we're sending out neighbor notification postcards. Those will be going out in the mail on Monday. So people will be getting them Tuesday and Wednesday. Those postcards are handy if you get to an intersection and the officer says, well, we're trying to keep non-local traffic away. You can flash that postcard, let them know you are local traffic. And I mean, unless there's a dense line of cyclists at that exact moment, They'll probably let you proceed with caution. So people can still get in or out of the driveways. We try to keep our own spectators and some of the tourist traffic out of those areas and directed back to Highway 42 and the main roads just to avoid conflicts because the difficult parts are wherever there's two-way bike traffic. So south of Murphy Park on Saturday from about 8 until 10.30 between Murphy and Penny Park, that nine-mile section of road has bikes going both ways. So it's a little hectic, and so motorists need to be real careful moving through there. And then on Sunday, most of the traffic is not two-way because, again, the course I described, it's a lollipop. By the time any of them are returning to Murphy Park, everybody else is also out on the bike course. So you don't have a lot of two-way traffic other than Townline Road. There's a section on Townline Road, and we're talking directly one-on-one -on -one with all of the residents on that road. 
course director Brian Fitzgerald and I have reached out to every resident along that route and we're talking to them just to let them know that it's going on. The good part is it's far enough along in the course that the riders will be pretty spread out. I anticipate somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 athletes in the half iron. Okay. And they'll be pretty spread out. Even though they're all going by twice, people should be able, based on the numbers and I've, calculations I've made, they should be able to get in or out of their driveway at all times. And then how many in the sprint triathlon this year? The sprint, we're at almost full capacity. I think we're at, uh, we're hovering just under 1,000 right now. So we will reach sellout status for that, I expect. That event's really, I mean, in the last few weeks, raced up to full capacity. The half iron, I don't think, is raced as much because once things did start loosening up, well, that was in May, and not a lot of people are going to decide two months out to tackle to a half iron triathlon. <laughs> yep. So that's not as not as much of an impulse purchase as a sprint triathlon. And for people who have ever wondered if they could do this, like, yes, the half iron is a legit, like, you need to train, you need to be in great shape, you need to work hard for that. The sprint triathlon, not to diminish it, but it is a more achievable thing. Like a lot, even I used to think like, oh yeah, I, I can't do a triathlon. I can't swim and I wasn't much of a biker at the time. And But it, it's more doable for the average athlete. So if you ever wonder like, oh, could I get involved in this? Oh, it's too daunting. Like it really isn't. The bike ride is a f very flat course, 18 miles, very easy, very safe. The swim course is a very abbreviated swim course. And it is with a little bit of training and a little getting used to swimming in open water, you can accomplish that. And then the run is a 5K. So it's still an, an incredible achievement for somebody, but it's also, it's an achievable achievement. <laughs> it is. And, you know, the people that come and watch sometimes get inspired because they realize, okay, I don't have to look like a professional triathlete. I don't have to yeah. be a swimsuit model in order to do this. I see a lot of other people with the same physique as me. In fact, I see people I know that I know I could keep up with and they get inspired by the achievability of it to, to try it. I mean, the reality is, barring any mechanical problems, most people, if they had to, could go out and bike 18 miles. Mm -hmm. Most people could go out and run or walk three miles and be perfectly fine. The hard thing is doing the three disciplines back to back. Yeah. And the swim also is a challenge to people, including even people who are regular swimmers, because most people who say, oh, I swim regularly, a lot of times they're referring to swimming in a pool at the local Y. Well, it's very different open water swimming. <laughs> and if you're not used to open water swimming or even worse yet, open water swimming with a, another thousand people in the water yeah. around you, that's a very different atmosphere. So I always encourage people, you know, if they say, well, I think I can do this. I've biked and I've ran a lot. I tell them that's fine. Start getting out in the open water. That's where the real challenge yeah. is. And if you can get through that swim confidently, well, then the rest of it for most of them is easy. I mean, they come out of the water, they know that they're home free from that point. Yeah. On. The thing I always explain to people is with the triathlon, the people we pull out of the water, most of them are not people who get like a half mile in or three quarters in and they get exhausted or can't go on. It's that first, it really is getting past the pier and out of that horde of other swimmers and without panicking. And that's usually because I, I think what you've always said, Sean, is most of the people, they abort the swim very early because they just weren't prepared for swimming in the crowd in the open water. I mean, the ones who withdraw, a lot of them do so voluntarily. In, in other words, they opt out themselves. They don't get pulled out of the water. They voluntarily just say, I'm not doing this, and, mm -hmm. they, and they back away. But anybody who's at least gone out and done some preparatory swims in open water, a lot of times, you know, they on race day, 
they can go in confidently and find the courage to be able to do this. Can people still register for any of these three events? Yeah, I think right now the sprint is still open. Uh, they can register for all three events. And okay, we normally shut down registration on Sunday, but I think we're going to leave it open until probably Wednesday. We're not going to be pre-assigning the numbers for the participants. We're assigning numbers when they walk up at Packet Pickup on Friday and Saturday at Murphy Park. So they can still register, I think, up until Wednesday at midnight. Excellent. And then away from this year's triathlon specifically, but one thing a lot of listeners might be, you know, there's still a lot of people who just hate people being on the road that they think should be reserved only for their vehicle, which is legally not the case, but also people who just don't like cyclists and that sort of thing. So I think it'd be important for us to touch on a little bit about kind of where we've come from in the county with these events and also the economic impact that an event like this has. You started this 16 years ago? Yeah, 2017. This is the 17th annual. 2005 was our first edition. And if you think back to that, Door County had like a few small 5Ks, a few small events, but no real serious athletic event on this type with silent sports, certainly not on this scale. And the clientele at that time, if you think back to 2005, even up to 2010, 2012, you know, everyone always talked about how do we get younger visitors here? How do we get the next generation? Because Door County had gotten a little expensive. It had become very much a place for retirees to visit, but not their kids and certainly not their grandkids. It had become less kid friendly as well. And I do think that events like yours and not to just toot our own horn with the Peninsula Pacers, but these silent sports events, I think, played a really crucial role in changing the perception of Door County and introducing new people to the peninsula. I think so, too, Miles. I agree with you. I mean, to me, Door County always has been and has had the potential to be just a silent sport haven cycling, kayaking, swimming, biking, water skiing, sailing, rollerblading, uh, Nordic skiing mountain biking, all of those things, there's great venues in Door County for that. It was kind of just waiting to be exploited by offering a large-scale event like this. And now we're starting to see these large events, the triathlon, the Door County Half Marathon, that are bringing these people together in critical mass. And some of the people, I think, have been swimming, biking, running, and doing these other activities for years. But the nice thing is that by offering this event, we bring in a lot of people who are new to the county. And I always enjoy at the triathlon when I'm talking with people who are there for the first time saying this is our first trip to Door County because yeah. oftentimes if they've been there a day or two, they'll follow it with, and we're planning to be back already. Yeah. Because they realize what a wonderful playground it is. And I've had friends from other parts of the country. I, I work on the staff at Boston Marathon, and I've had crew from the Boston Marathon go up to Door County, and they said, the thing that's unfair to Door County is when you call it the Cape Cod of the Midwest, you're doing a disservice to Door County. Because Door County offers a lot that Cape Cod does not. Cape Cod, by and large, is a one-season place. It's also much more developed. It's also much more congested, and it's much more lacking in the open spaces that we have in Door County. In other words, we've got all of the tourism amenities within these quaint small villages and the population center in Sturgeon Bay, and yet we have vast expanses of land in between, much of it agricultural, but all of it scenic, that's just there to be enjoyed by runners, bikers, and people of that, that like other sports. So it's, it's a great haven for silent sports. And the triathlon and these other events are really just 
highlighting that opportunity. That's a that's a great perspective to offer too, because I think we all hear that like that cliche of Cape Cod of the Midwest, and so many of us up here who maybe have touted that have never even been to Cape Cod. So we're, we're comparing ourselves to a, like something we don't even know. And so do so many of the travel writers who echo that same line. But you're right. They are very different places. And in many ways, Door County offers something that you can't get there, like you said. And then these the cyclists, a lot of people have this misnomer of like, well, they're not spending money because they're not stopping in the middle of the race and, and getting a beer or getting a sandwich. But they are spending money, and, and we do the surveys, too, after our events, and I know you do as well. Like you said, 6 to 10% of our participants in all the events we put on, year after year, will say, this is my first trip to Door County. So it's great. We're introducing a couple hundred people at each event to the peninsula in probably... If you're getting outdoors in Door County and doing something active, it's probably the best way to be introduced to this place. So they're getting a great introduction, and they're getting welcomed by hundreds of volunteers with smiles on their faces and they're accomplishing something in this place. So now it means something to them. So the yeah. opportunity to latch onto them, to bring them back year after year and week after week, I'll run into the participants just when they come up here for vacations all the time and they come up six, seven, eight times a year, maybe more, maybe they buy a second home here. And now you're like, wow, the economic impact of introducing them to Door County is now not just hotel rooms, eating out at the bars or going to mini golf courses. Now it's they bought a $500,000 house. Now we can't track yeah. that, but we know it happens. And now you start going the economic impact of introducing those 6% of people to Door County was maybe a year round resident who's sending their kids to our school and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars here. So that impact is hard to measure. When we started the triathlon, Horseshoe Bay Golf Club was one of our first partners. And it was specifically because Rick Hurden, who was president of Horseshoe Bay Golf Club at that time, said they knew that they needed to be about more than just private golf and a nice golf course. Because if all you're offering in any corner of the peninsula is one thing for one or two members of the family, well, what about the rest of the family? Because maybe dad likes to golf or mom likes to golf, but what's there for the rest of the family? Well, you know, Rick had the foresight to say, look, the triathlon is going to emphasize a whole nother aspect of the beautiful area south of Egg Harbor, which it's nice and it's quiet and it's pastoral and it's great for swimming, biking and running. And so the triathlon was a great addition to that area of the peninsula because it emphasized that it's not just that there's a, a nice golf course up the hill there. There's a, a wonderful venue for doing these other silent sports. Heck, there's a lot of locals who have never been to Murphy Park and don't know that it's got this beautiful beach and <laughs> amenities there. Yeah, although it's, it's been discovered. I was there on the 4th of <laughs> July this year. <laughs> I've never seen it so busy. Yeah, I think all the beaches this 4th of July were just insane. I was at a couple of them and it was Sister Bay. It was tough to even find a spot to put down a chair or a blanket, which brings me to another point of, you know, now the discussion amongst so many people up here is, are there too many tourists? And I've, I've talked at length about that on the podcast before, so I won't go too deep into it. But in talking to you, I think you would recall this as well. Once we started putting on these kinds of events, then you had communities, because tourism was in, in such a, a downward spiral, maybe spiral is too strong a word, but in a, a dip in a, or a lull in Door County in that 2005 to 2012 range, communities were like, once they saw the triathlon, what can you do in our community? Can you put a bike ride on here? Can you do the triathlon here? Can you do a, a duathlon or a 5K, anything? Like 
they wanted the excitement. They wanted to bring in these new visitors. They wanted these younger people in their community. And fortunately, that's been successful. I mean, it's brought a lot of people. It's, it's changed the impression of what Door County is from a place to go and simply to relax and simply as a boomer destination, because I think people probably forget that for a while, especially when the visitor bureau's budget was so small and they couldn't market to multiple audiences, for a long time, it was a focus solely on older boomer visitors. And this helped change that. It was kind of a ground up thing. It wasn't somebody saying, we need to put on these silent sports events and this is how we're going to do it. It was first you coming up with this event. And then it took a while to even sell people on the idea that this mattered and that this could help us. Yeah, it did get noticed quickly. And I one of the comments I remember early on from people in the village with the Egg Harbor Business Association they invited me in as a guest after the first year and they said, well, we kind of owe you an apology because we didn't reach out to you sooner. And when we saw this event on the calendar, we kind of rolled our eyes because they said none of us knew what a triathlon, <laughs> what a triathlon even was. And we were even more skeptical that it was going to have any significant impact. But when 500 triathletes descended on the event the first year, they said we realized quickly that not only did it have huge potential for growth and impact, but we really love the audience because the average triathlete is in their 30s. They're married. For better or worse, they're above average income. Mm -hmm. One of the knocks on the sport is that it's expensive to do a triathlon. You, you probably have a $100,000 income. You've got a bike worth a couple thousand dollars. Um, and you've got the time and the dedication and the drive to train for something like that. So it, it pulls in a certain segment of the populace that really, from a tourist standpoint, is hugely desirable yeah. because the average triathlete is bringing her husband or his wife, they're bringing their spouse, they're bringing two kids, they're driving a sport utility vehicle, and they've got some disposable income to spend on restaurants and stores. So it's a perfect match for Door County to bring in endurance athletes. Yeah, and it's worked spectacularly well. Well, anyway, Sean, we are now creeping up on an hour here, and uh, the listeners can probably tell that you and I could talk about this stuff for several hours more, but we won't bore them to death. But just uh, kind of recap on the triathlon coming up. Starts with packet pickup. We actually have the volunteer orientation is Thursday at the YMCA. Okay. People can still volunteer for the event by going to DoorCountyTriathlon.com and clicking on volunteer. There's always volunteer opportunities available. I mean, I don't think we ever turn people away because there's always people that need to be replaced or they have a last minute scheduling change. So you can still volunteer. The orientation is on Thursday at the YMCA at 530. People can pick up their volunteer shirt and get a brief orientation. It only takes about half an hour. We usually let them out of there by six o'clock. And then Friday, things kick off right at noon. Uh, noon to six, we've got packet pickup for the sprint triathletes and half iron triathletes and the kids as well. But packet pickup is on Friday. They can still register on event weekend on Friday if the event's not sold out. And then Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the horn goes off and we start letting the people into the water one at a time. And the sprint triathlon will go from 8 until about 11. Kids triathlon will go from 2 to 4 on Saturday. And then Sunday, the half iron race starts at 8, doesn't really end until 5.30 in the evening. So a long day on Sunday. <laughs> and yeah, if you get back down there, if you have not heard enough of Sean Ryan's voice on this podcast, don't worry, because on Triathlon Weekend, you'll hear it all day long because he doesn't stop talking <laughs> and he likes to grab the mic. Yes, I do. I do the old, my, I, I see my own award ceremony. <laughs> Sean, thanks for taking the time. I know it's uh, really busy as you lead up to race week and, and race day. And good luck pulling this off. It's great to have it back. Thanks, Miles. I appreciate the talk. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.